podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Natcoom Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. Here we are. Super Bowl 55 week. The build-up starts right here. And of course, we're disappointed but not out there in Florida like we were last year. But that's not going to stop us. That's not going to slow us down one little bit. Episodes dropping thick and fast all week long. A brilliant lineup of guests from this side of the pond, from the ESPN Galaxy it is going to get you set for the big show. And we're leading off with two all pros. I am Mike coming up very shortly. But first things first, getting us set. It's the brilliant Jay Bell. Here he is, the hardest working man in show business trademark in the busiest week <laughs> of the year. Jay Bell, good to see you. Hey, man, it's rock and roll time, right? Um, it's amazing that the NFL's made it this far. Isn't it? Uh, it really is, and um, we should uh, all be happy and, and proud that they were able to pull this off and excited, even though we have to do it differently. You and I will be in Super Bowl right now, yep. high-fiving and all kind of stuff. Oh, man. But, I mean, uh, you know what? It's a great point you make to, to lead off because I don't think the NFL collectively, you know, as, a, as an organization, obviously the individual components therein, teams, players, stuff, but also let's credit what credit's due. Commissioner Goodell on his team. He gets a lot of criticism, a lot of hate. And he, that's part of the gig, right? You get paid yeah. the big bucks. You know, yeah. he, he kind of gets that, right? But credit where credit's due. How many hate, haters may be overstating it, but skeptics were saying, this is a crazy thing to do. It's not going to work. The season's going to be derailed. We're going to have a Super Bowl in June and all of these, all of these negative voices. And it's been really impressive how they've kept the train on the tracks and so important i think for so many of us media fans have an interest in the game just to have that distraction have that focus it's been uh, such a a positive element of, of a really difficult 12 months without a doubt no i mean i'm obviously biased because i love the nfl um i have passion for it but when you talk about leaders and leadership in times of controversy, they have to figure it out, right? We have to lean on them to to figure out whatever things need to take place uh, and protocols put in place for things to work. And that's what happened with the NFL. You know, as much heat as they get, uh, you know, when it was time to figure this out on the fly, they mm. did. Yeah. And they did it to the best of their ability uh, with a lot of different circumstances, hurdles and other things they had to manage. And it's amazing that, like you, like you said, them getting to this point, it's been so good for us as uh, the viewer and people that just need healthy distractions. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. And I know a lot of a lot of listeners get in touch, you know, either on social media uh, uh, or, you know, mention this on comments or whatever and just say, look, they've really, really appreciated the, the amount of content that's gone out there. It's kind of kept them rolling. And we're just one of many, many shows that are doing the same thing. You and Osi in the pod uh, and other terrific shows as well. So we could do our little bit as well. And it all comes together. It's all good. And it all comes together, of course, to the end game to Super Bowl 55. This time last year, Jay Bell, we were on a beach in Miami doing this show. The sun was coming up. Right. I mean, it was, it's who do you know over there? How'd you pull that off, man? Because that was amazing. That was really that was cool, nuts. by the way. And that's all a producer Ollie uh, and the crew take full credit for that. Right. It's, uh, man, that was really cool. Friends in high places. It was a great it was a great week and, and a great show. And it's going to be 
very different. Like most media, we're covering it remotely this year, right? So we've got, you know, Radio Row is just a, you know, a, a, a pale imitation of what it normally is, right? A couple of organizations out there, but no guests, none of the, the, the razzmatazz and the, and the craziness opening night is going to be all virtual. Oh, so man. how will this lack of, of hype affect the players, do you think? It's such an unconventional Super Bowl week. Is that a positive or a negative? Or, or does that entirely depend on, on the, the individual player? Yeah, you know, you feel you feel sorry for some of these players because this is an amazing event, right? Super Bowl, you get to play in the Super Bowl. You want it all. But I will say this, Nat, because this year has been what it is, players are just used to this. I mean, they've been doing virtual interviews all season. Uh, they've been doing their meetings and, and, and things of that virtually. Like, this is what they're used to. So uh, because of that, the Super Bowl is no different. Uh, this is what they've done. Uh, this is how the whole season has gone. I will say this, Tampa being at home uh, definitely helps because they don't have to change anything, right? But because Kansas City doesn't have to fly in until later in right. the week, nothing changes for them either. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you do miss the hype of just being around it all probably. But, you know, like I said, players are so focused in on the game. That's what matters. And I think more importantly, when I look at it is, it's kind of like the NBA bubble was, right? Mm. They said uh, people talked about the, the play in the bubble and they were like, man, it was some good basketball uh, because that's what they, you know, that's the only thing they were focused on. No distractions. I'm hoping to see that same thing. Mm. You know, that week of the uh, Super Bowl being in a different city, there's a lot of distractions you have to manage. Well, those guys don't have that this year. They get to just focus on it, going out there and executing the game and being at home for the most, the majority of the part of it. What about the game itself? Because it's a great point. And I think, it, you know, we've been lucky enough to to cover plenty and uh, and always try and paint the picture of what it's like, but it gets bigger and bigger every year. And when you talk to players, unless it's, you know, a, a, you know, a Brady who's done it so many times or, or you know, <laughs> Mahomes who entered day one of the NFL, like a sort of 10 year vet in terms of how unfazable he is. But for, as you say, a lot of those guys, it's first and only time at the dance and it's a huge, huge thing. It's, it's quite easy to underestimate just how relentless the exposure is, right? And, they, and they've got all kinds of things to contend with, right? Not just the media ops and uh, the, the scale of everywhere they go. The Super Bowl is in their face, but they've got family. They've got to sort of tickets out. They've got all of these things as well, which, which aren't going to affect them this time around. But game day itself, and you talk to players and they say, whatever we've been told and whatever we've got ourselves prepared for mentally when you're suddenly out there and you're, you're hearing the anthem and the jets are flying over like this is what i've been gearing up to you know my entire life pretty much and so i, I was a kid do you think that that side of the super bowl even though there's going to be like a third of the fans in compared to normal there'll still be you know the the anthems the jets the halftime show and that side of it on game day do you think that the moment the players are lining up and hearing the anthem the, the sense of occasion, the scale that this is a Super Bowl will feel exactly the same. Yeah, I think without a doubt because of that beautiful thing called television. They know the world is watching. Mm -hmm. e even this year when no fans were in the stadium, you saw how guys would go to those sideline cameras and engage in that. They knew people were watching mm -hmm. and they can feel that. Uh, that fuel is there. And most importantly, you know, when you get into a game, you, it's your sideline. You know, for me, I could kind of feel my sideline and the guys out there with me. And I, I will say this, though, the magnitude of the game, they're definitely going to feel it, right? 
Guys are going to go out there. The pressure is going to be on. But Osi said something I'll never forget. And you got to listen to a guy that's been there twice. And he said, all of that's happening, all of those emotions. But when he get out there and the first snap happens, it's gone. Mm. You're in the game. It's like, hey, I've been here before. And the guy, the teams and the players that can do that are the ones that have success. That's why uh, having a guy like Tom Brady is so essential when you're Tampa Bay. Obviously, Kansas City was there last year, so they have that experience. But you need somebody or several people that can tell you exactly how to get over that mountain, which is the pressure. Let's look at that. Let's look at that matchup in particular. So Brady Mahomes is the big narrative, uh, of course, right? But I want to get your take, J-Bell, on not just both of them, but how the respective defenses are going to stop, right? Because they're mm-hmm. two of the very best. Brady, of course, the greatest of all time, the most successful of all time. Mahomes, the way he's going, he's going to uh, be you know, similar trajectory uh, uh, and is looking for back-to-back rings. The last quarterback to have done that, of course, was, was Tom Brady. Let's start with him. 10th Super Bowl appearance, looking for his seventh ring. But these Brady haters still won't, Shut up. I mean, all season long, they were sniping, right? Now they're saying, now they've made the Super Bowl, they're saying, well, I mean, Tampa Bay were good anyway, and it's the defense getting it done. So it's incredible that despite everything, there are still people, and I'm referencing, you know, for all those years in, in New England, the assist, he's a system quarterback, the implication that any or many other quarterbacks could have stepped in and done a similar job. He goes somewhere else. He takes care of business. He's in a Super Bowl. And they say, well, the defense has got him there. Some people just can't be placated but put them right Jay bell talk about what an incredible achievement this is for tom brady come on this is amazing and and i see why tom brady gets a lot of heat because it's it's so easy just to say he's great so let me say something else right right let me have a conflicting statement or point of view i mean but it is the thing about him that i and i was hearing a coach talk about him and this made sense i think it was jimmy johnson speaking Mm. on him And he said something that made a lot of sense. They're like Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. And he said this. He said, did they draft Tom Brady in the first round? No. Was he the savior of the organization when they brought him in there? No. So somebody developed him. Somebody helped him get better. And that's coaching. You know, his early years, you hear people talk about how much time Belichick spent with him teaching him about defense, Mm. teaching him about what to look at, what to see those early years. And obviously that's what's, that's what has made Brady Brady. Yes. He has all the intangibles as far as work ethic and things of that nature, but the guy's football IQ is through the roof because he's had great coaching. Mm. So, is he a system guy? We all are. (laughs) (laughs) If we're lucky, you know, we're lucky if we get coaching, but what he's done, is so amazing because this year he has taken a team and he has made them accountable in a way that they haven't been before. That's the Brady effect. Mm. That's the Brady effect. So yes, he has great players around him. Yes. The defense great. He won Super Bowls before where the defense was great in new England. They carried him early in the years, but the Brady effect is what he demands out of you as a player and as a teammate it moves throughout that locker room. It was the same way people talk about Willie McGinnis when he was in the Patriots on defense. Like, Willie ran the locker room. Mm. Bill Belichick would would say that, and that's why they were tough, you know? So certain players, um, people follow. And Brady and what he does and how he's done it is just amazing because what he puts on the practice field every day and in the games every week, 
people just get on board or they're off the ship. Let's talk about the identity then of, of this offense that Brady's brought in, as you say, the winning culture or emphasized that. And, and of course, brought the cavalry with him as well, right? Will Gronk out of retirement. Antonio Brown was a, very much a reclamation project. Even Leonard Fournette, right, who was a top five overall pick had mm. lost his way a little bit in the NFL. He's suddenly balling again. Do you think that's maybe the most significant thing here? The identity of the Tampa Bay offense has been found as the season's gone on. Kansas City, we know what the offense is about. Mm-hmm. It is in, you know, in slipstream, in lockstep. It's it's the culmination of Andy Reid coaching for 30 years and Mahomes, and it's just, you know, a thing of beauty, but it knows its own identity. For Tampa Bay, it was inevitable. It's taken time to find to find its identity. Yeah, well, this is why I think Tom Brady left New England. He was he didn't have this kind of firepower around him like he mm. does now. These offensive weapons. Uh, so this is and and he loves the commitment that Tampa Bay has done for that. And I think all these players and their skill set. It took a while for him to understand what they do because of no preseason and no practice. But once that started clicking, you can see how he, they have a great feel for each other. All the receivers, obviously Leonard Fournette and what he's doing because you know that running game is essential. So his style of running is essential for what they want. But you look at Gronk, man. Gronk coming in there, and Gronk is a key piece because of his pass blocking. Right. I mean, you know, you got to protect Tom Brady. And he needs to feel comfortable back there in that pocket. And, man, Gronk is going down protecting Tom Brady, period. So he knows that. He knows, hey, I'll set you to the side where we might have some problems or issues or pressure coming. You know, protect your boy. Look out for me. Mm. And that is key to some of his vertical passing games. I'm always seeing Gronk in there pass blocking. Mm -hmm. He fought for Antonio Brown because he knew he needed that third explosive receiver because you can only double two guys as a defense. You can't double three. It's impossible. Mm. I mean, I'm no mathematician, but that's not going to work out, <laughs> right. you know, but you can double two. So if you take a uh, guy and Evans away, man, you can't stop Antonio Brown. Mm. And he knew that he, so he went and he petitioned for that and they made it happen. So uh, I just think he's got this new energy because of those weapons around him. And he's like, if I just get these guys the ball, um, things are going to happen. One point, he threw a deep ball, that deep pass to Godwin mm-hmm. uh, the, in, the, in the conference championship that he went up and caught. Tom Brady doesn't put the ball in harm's way like that. Mm-hmm. He did that for a reason because he expects those guys to come down with the ball. That's mm-hmm. trust. That showed a lot. Uh, to me about how much trust he has in those receivers. Which has been the MO, right, for for Brady all his career, right? Pretty much that he's got to have that innate trust. And on and with Antonio Brown in particular, he's doubtful for the game. Jay, by the time we're recording, there's still early doors, of course. There's still a week or so to go. But if he if he if it does turn out that he's gonna miss the game, how big a loss will it be? Obviously it's gonna impact them, but based on what you've just said, is that a really significant uh, deficiency for Tampa Bay going into this? It is because of, yeah, the matchups, right? If, if both of those receivers, Godwin and Evans, are getting hot and you can double them and you can do some confusing things, um, then it, it, obviously that helps Kansas City. But when you got all three of those guys out there and say you're trying to pressure Tom Brady, which is what you're going to have to do, try to get some you know, blitz pressure on him, and he knows one of those guys is going to be uncovered, that is hard. That's mm. tough to do. That's why he needs three threats. I mean, he can use... Gronk is that, but once again, we just talked about Gronk's significance in the pass blocking game. Mm. You don't want to throw him out there as a receiver mm. in, in times where you need his protection. And lose so, that. Yeah, having three of those guys are key. 
Let's talk about how Kansas City will, will, will try and stop this, this offense then. And, and the architect of that is somebody you know very well. Of course, he played under him, Steve Spagnola. And, and he is the brains behind or certainly a you know, significant part of those two giant Super Bowl wins against Brady when Brady mm-hmm. was a Patriot. And look, we've got to put this in context a little bit because the, the front sevens he had at his disposal there were, were amongst the best of, of all time, certainly amongst the best of the last... 50 years in the game, right? With, with Strahan, with Tuck, with OC. I mean, this is a formidable crew. Beast. And this Kansas City personnel is good, but it's a level below, right? And there are some big names in the mix there as well. And obviously that is who they'll be looking at to, to leverage with, with Chris Jones in particular through the middle and, and Frank Clark as well. But it's, it's not the same level uh, uh, and I guess depth that he's got at his disposal. So how do you see that playing out? Do you think, and they've been pretty aggressive, haven't they, this season, Kansas City as well. So do you think that he's going to throw the house at Brady to try and replicate that game plan? And, and is he going to be able to with the personnel that he's got? Okay, so one thing about Spags is he can figure out what his personnel is and he adapts to that. So this is a completely different team. You said the right names, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and then Tyron Matthew is your eraser. You have, a, you have other guys that are well, uh, but that play well, but Tyron Matthew is your chess piece. The one thing I like is that their corners are playing pretty physical. And what I mean by that is they're disrupting receivers and man coverage when they get up in their face and they got great ball skills down the field. That's the key. That's really the step that they needed to make. Uh, those, those guys are playing well. And what Spags is going to do is he sells out. And what I mean by that is if you're running on him, he's going to sell out to stop the run. Mm-hmm. He will run blitz you. He will stack the line of scrimmage. You are not going to beat him like that. Same with the pass. If he feels like Tom Brady's picking them apart, he is going to blitz him. Mm-hmm. He is going to put pressure. And that's the key. They're going to do a lot of exotic things with their coverage moving around. Tyron Matthew does that. But a lot of what's going to happen is blitzing and pressure. That's how they had success last time. They're not going to let Tom Brady sit back there and read their coverages. Tom Brady has seen everything. Mm -hmm. You're not going to confuse him forever. He'll make mistakes, but you're not going to mentally confuse him. But pressure will put him down. Mm -hmm. And especially when you have uh, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, you put them two on the same side of the field. It's hard to block them. You have to make business decisions. Um, they are really st- stout in the middle, too. They're big guys. Mm. And that's where Brady wants to step up. So that's the way they're going to have to blitz him from the outside, have it clogged up in the middle so he has nowhere to step up. That's no what they're going to try to do all game. Because that's the, the, the Brady's a master of that, isn't he? Just the kind of matrix one step <laughs> and buys himself more more time. Particularly interesting matchup, of course, given uh, the secondary. You, you made that point, uh, and I'm really keen that obviously uh, an area you know better than most, Jay Bell, to, to look at the caliber there because they're not household names, you know, Tara Matthew notwithstanding, right? Breland's had a great season, Traverius Ward. Uh, and the battle in the slot as well between Legereus Sneed and Godwin's going to be going to be fascinating. But I was reading Spags talking about the Giants' game plan and the importance of the secondary. You emphasize the pressure, particularly up the middle on Brady, as you said, it, it's it's the focal point of it. But that's got to be underpinned by a really disciplined secondary, doesn't it? Yeah, um, you know, the secondary and the defensive front, it's a marriage, right? And this is why I said about them being physical. Uh, When you know you're bringing pressure, 
you have to, there can't be space, right? Because obviously Tom Brady can get rid of the ball faster than anybody. So you need to be physical with these guys. So he has to look away. You know, I can't throw there. I can't throw there. That's how the sacks happen. So that's why this team defense really works well together is these corners uh, fit the style of play needed when you're going to bring pressure. Right. And then you don't put them in man-to-man coverage all the time. That's a no-no. And that's where Tyron Matthew and the, and the safeties, especially Thornhill, their confusion and the way they cover is key. They move around so much. I mean, they, they, they do exotic things before the snap. And at the snap, they're in basic coverages, you know, cover two, mm-hmm. cover four, whatever. But it's how they get there and how late they get there. So watching Tyron, trust me, Tom Brady is watching Tyron Matthew over and over and over again. Mm-hmm to see everything this guy does and how he moves because that's the key and remember he used to uh um, play against ed reed all the time Mm. and he has talked about how ed reed's ability to disguise things and i mean he just be like this guy's everywhere it's the same way with tyron matthew different game they play but they are the key focal piece to kind of figuring out what this defense is doing that is fascinating what do you make of of legerius sneed and and how that matchup's going to go between him and godwin well, he's had a good year. I mean, I think they can, because of his ability to play press coverage and get physical, mm-hmm. that's kind of the key. Um, once again, you don't want him in man-to-man coverage all day, forever, but he has the he has the ball skills and the physical nature at the line of scrimmage to win some of those battles. That's the key. Mm-hmm. You got to be physical with these receivers at the line of scrimmage. Okay, let's look at the other side of the ball then and, and how this ball in Tampa defense stops Mahomes because <laughs> you used a word that I thought was really interesting when looking at the Kansas City blueprint and the game plan. You talked about having the right players that fit what Spags is trying to do, right? That in the secondary, you were saying that the, the, the style, the way they play the game works well with what he's trying to execute. That's exactly the case here with, with Todd Bowles, right? They've got a really good and, and effective matchup here against the Kansas City Chiefs because there's so much speed and pace, particularly with the, the linebacking core, that this one is really fascinating, particularly, j when you look at the, the Chiefs offensive line, which is banged up, right? Both starting yeah. tackles are out. So yeah. there's a lot of emphasis on this Tampa Bay defense, like we said at the top. But you can understand why going into this game, because it does feel, unlike other good defenses, maybe great defenses if you want to go that far, that a mismatch because of the type of personnel I have and the way they play, this Tampa Bay defense is geared up very nicely against the Kansas City Chiefs offense, isn't it? They are, and that's because of four-man pressure. Like, when we're talking about these two different quarterbacks, all right, Patrick Mahomes is going to make his plays on the move. He's done it all year. Both tackles are down now. I mean, all these plays he's made are extending the play. Mm. Tom Brady different, sits in the pocket, right? You, You do not want to blitz Patrick Mahomes. Mm. He's effective. He's efficient. And he, man, he the, Bills, the Bills blitzed him. They had open blitzers come in. He made a miss and made those throws. I mean, perfect calls. Mm. And, and Tampa Bay can win by not blitzing because of that front four. Those guys are going to win this game. JPP, Shaq Barrett, those guys got to come off the edge and contain him and keep him from that movement out of the pocket. That's the key. That is the key to this game. Now mm. you can use one of those fast linebackers to spy and things of that nature, mm. but you also want to use those guys as a robber for the short routes, right? Mm-hmm. Short crossing routes and things of that nature, especially with their team speed 
if they're playing man coverage. But the main thing is how do you got to pressure him with a four man rush and play zone behind mm-hmm. that and keep changing up the zone look, which is what Todd Bowles did good against Aaron Rodgers. Right, right. exactly. So he's he's got to go back to that. But it's all about those four dudes up front mm-hmm. getting that pressure. On that, just to just to elaborate a bit more, does, does that mean that they Tyreek Hill's an obvious threat? You got to remove the deep threat, right? Typically the deep threat. So can the secondary afford to play a lot deeper because what is further up in front of them has that pace? Is that is that overly simplistic or is that a, a way of looking at, at this matchup? Well, every team probably in the second half of the season that's had tried to tried to win the game has played with their safeties back deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, period. They're like, don't the quickest way for us to lose this game is for Tyreek Hill to run past us. Mm-hmm. So every team pretty much plays with their safeties deep. That's why this Kansas City offense has found a way to beat you in multiple ways. They access all the field. And a lot of times they use Tyreek's speed on deep crossers. Mm-hmm. Remember, you can get a guy open if you run from one sideline to the other on a crossing route because he can build up speed. Mm-hmm. And you see that happening with Tyreek Hill a lot. So the safeties are going to start off deep. They're going to move up as Travis Kelsey eats them up in the middle with the short routes and Tyreek Hill with the crossers. And then that's when the big play happens. So that's the chess match. Mm. But you have to start with your safeties deep because they tried that last time. Tampa Bay uh, tried to play a lot of man coverage. And uh, um, Dave is 24. He had a rough day. Mm. He had a mm-hmm. rough day. You know, they tried to match him up with Tyreek Hill down the sideline. Bomb. And, you know, and, and, and he was having a pretty good year to that point. So. Mm. Uh, you're, I expect to see the safeties trying to take away the deep route, whether it's one safety in the middle or two. But if they are that deep, with what is left, do they have the pace and uh, I guess the versatility to be able to, to negate Kelsey in the middle in particular? Uh, Hardman, if he comes across there as well. I mean, pretty much they, they mix it up anyway, don't they? But to, if that deep ball's taken out and they're not using the ground game and they're looking at the underneath routes, that is, a, I guess, a, a reasonably strong edge for, for Tampa Bay, isn't it, Just in terms of personnel matchup? Well, you talked about them linebackers, right? Right. And it's about the speed. Mm-hmm. They got speed to close up passing lanes, and that's the key. You want your linebackers either to be fast to close up the passing lane or have long arms like Darius Leonard, where, you know, right. it's like basketball, right? You get in there, you just close up the passing lanes. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to do that, and that's why it's all about this four-man front. If you can just put four guys to put the pressure, you can use your other players to get in those zones and hopefully catch Patrick Mahomes making a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Also on this, J Bell, the, the genius of Reed is the way he mixes and matches different players in his ostensibly the the the, the same uh, the same calling the same play, but mixing up different players within, right? And he's got those personnel. So you've heard Belichick talk about this that sometimes he doesn't know if he's gonna have to be concentrating on Kelsey because suddenly Hill's in that and then McCall Hardman comes in the mix and it's it is, it's the same design, but he's just rotated the personnel and altogether different. I mean, that must be a nightmare to try and contend against defensively. Right, because you have these concepts that you understand, right? I've studied the film. I see the concepts, but in those concepts, this player's here, that player's here, and they move here. And those are my uh, tips and tricks, right? Mm. And he just throws that all off by making those guys put them in different positions. Mm. But what Andy Reid does well, is he builds plays for players. It's not just drawing it up saying this is a genius play and we're just going to put this guy in there. It's like 
this guy can do this. This is what he does well. So mm. the play is going to be that. Mm. And, you know, and what helps is the way you can use Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a big receiver. Let's be honest. He is a big X receiver, just yeah. a big old guy. Yep. And so you do certain things with him that you can't do with regular tight ends. Mm. And you can put another receiver in that position and do it. You mm. know, you want to run a deep, cro- a, a deep crosser with Kelsey? Yeah, you can do that and have him sit down and avoid his zone. Of course. And who else can do that? Tyreek Hill. Right. So it's, you know, can, can Travis Kelsey go out on the sideline and run a fade versus one-to-one coverage? Yes, he can. Mm. You know, those kind of things. Can he run a deep post versus one-on-one? Yes, he can. Mm. That's the flexibility. These guys are so similar in their ability to run routes that he mm. can do that. Yeah, and Andy Reid on two weeks, of course, as well as a formidable opponent. So bearing all that in mind, where are you leaning right now? Because it's, it's Monday. I, I, it's such a close call. I mean, everybody that, that I've spoken to, it's pretty split opinion, right? It seems to be kind of divided. And, and of course, we don't know yet what's the status of Antonio Brown. We mentioned him. Sammy Watkins is a little bit banged up as well. There are players, of course, that we don't know their status as of yet. <laughs> but are you leaning a certain way or another, Jay Buck? Early on, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Kansas City, and it's because of Spagnola, uh, his ability to understand Brady and teach his players what Brady sees. Mm. I really think that's very important, right? If I have a coach that can tell me exactly what to look at, how to look at, what to do, I think that's significant. And then, you know, we understand Patrick Mahomes doesn't have his tackles. It's going to be a lot of they're going to have to pressure him. But he's been like that all year. He's been it's it's not like he hasn't been making plays on the move all year. Mm. There's nothing that nothing has changed. And there's just so many weapons on that offense. I think um, they can score at any moment in a big play. And in a game like this, that is significant. Who knows yeah. how tight it is, what's going on. But one play could change it. And the team that can do that faster than anybody in the NFL is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, big time. I mean, I was watching back last year's Super Bowl and and just looking at that how difficult Mahomes was finding it, you know, throwing picks. And he was just, we used that word earlier on, how fearless he is. And he's just been unfazable, you know, pretty much from day one in the NFL. But that's the key, isn't it? He can be having an indifferent afternoon and things just aren't gelling. And then bam, one play changes the whole trajectory. One thing, and that's that's hard on defense. That's why they can't get greedy. You know, they can't mm. say, oh, they're not going deep. Let's tighten up. Let's do this. Let's do that. They're taking a lot of risk. And by protecting themselves against that deep, the deep ball game, the deep pass game, you know, that those underneath routes are going to be open, especially if Patrick Mahomes can move. He's going to have to move. Mm. You know, this whole game's coming down to who can pressure the quarterback correctly and whose players uh, can execute. Because you can call a blitz and miss, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we saw that with Buffalo, but I don't, you know. I just see I trust Patrick Mahomes movement and be an ability to create in the pocket more than I do Tom Brady at this point. Jay, but do you think the, t- the turf toe injury, because it didn't seem to bother him at all against the bills. Right. But there are some rumblings that actually, you know, these, these injuries can be tricky. I don't know if you ever had anything similar. I've had it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So they can be, they kind of linger a bit and you can, obviously they can l- limit your mobility, but they can, they can hang around. And do you think there's any danger there that, that this could limit, what Mahomes would typically want to be able to execute. He looked good, you know, in, in the conference championship. But yeah, I mean, if there's an injury there and it gets hit a certain way in a game, right. 
that could slow you down in the game. Mm -hmm. It definitely could. And he needs that mobility more than ever this week. So, you know, obviously he needs to protect himself. But yeah, that that could definitely happen. Somebody step on that the wrong way and it hasn't fully healed. especially those toes, man, it's, it's tough because we know he's going to have to move to create plays downfield. Mm. I mean, that is what he's done all year. You see some of these routes with these receivers get open and you watch the all 22 tape and you literally see him make a move, a guy miss, everybody's covered. Then all of a sudden Travis Kelsey gets open. You're like, right. right. That's all Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not just out there beating dudes. You know, this guy is extending play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, the open. yeah, that's yes. it, man. One more for you, Jeb. But looking ahead beyond the Super Bowl, looking at the uh, the trajectory for these two teams the, and the prognosis, right? Because Brady, for this, for the first time in many a year, nobody's talking about him retiring. He's definitely, <laughs> by all accounts, coming back next year. I was hearing uh, an NFL insider, uh, I can't remember which one, saying, oh, the family love it in Florida. And he's, you know, he's set. I mean, he could go on for years at this rate, right? And Kansas City, it seems to have the makings of a dynasty so there's you know really exciting uh exciting prognosis for for both sides on on that dynasty point do you think because everybody talked about it last year and because Mahomes and and everything around him do you feel that this is a team that has the making of a a contender for the next five six eight years that they are going to be there or thereabouts for a prolonged period of time, which is exceptional, right? The Patriots it shouldn't happen. They shouldn't be able to do that. Do you think that any a team will ever be able to replicate that? And if so, are the Chiefs potentially that team? If anybody can do it right now, it's, it's the Chiefs. I don't know about extending over five years just because uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are so key to that, right? Mm-hmm. And those positions, if, if Tyreek Hill slows down, I mean – everything's changed now right. that might not happen. Cause look, Deshaun Watson is still fast. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, Jackson is still, still fast, still, you know, still it. he's yeah. still fast, <laughs> um, right. uh, but the fast, you know, he's not healthy a lot. So that lets you know, but yeah, yeah, those guys being on that roster and having team friendly deals is the key. I think for the next four or five years, they'll always have a shot because those three are together. Patrick Holmes, Hill, Kelsey, they can win games, man. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, that is their success. That's how their engine goes. So, they have those guys locked up. Everything else works around that. So I believe they'll have success. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, I mean, he's the future. You got you, we know how the league is now. If you got a quarterback, um, one of the top guys, you have a chance every single year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's astonishing how quickly he's become, I think, in the conversation for what has he been playing three, four years? And what are we talking about as one of the all-time greats? And he's still got maybe yeah. another 15 plus years to, to be playing. Incredible stuff. Jay Bell, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, man. And it's the start of a long old week. I know you're going to be hammering it and taking care of business, but you look set. You look ready for it. I'm ready, man. You know, it's Super Bowl week. You got to just get that energy. And it's it, as the week come, you know, week progresses, you just get, it gets more intense, right? Because we're all ready for the big day. Just pumped up and excited for it, man. Looking forward to it, man. I can't wait uh, to talk to you about it afterwards. Looking back on how it plays out. See if that prediction, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, have a, a bit of wiggle room there because it is early doors. So if you want to flip flop yeah. later, let us know. We'll let, I'll let the listeners know that you switched towards Tampa Bay. We'll give you that. We'll give you that freedom. But it'd be great to catch up with you off the back of it and talk about how it went down. Enjoy, man. All right, my friend. Jay Bell in the house, always on point. Looking forward to checking in with him very, very soon. Let's move things swiftly along. We're doubling down with our first episode of the week. Iron Mike, up next. 
Iron Mike Carlson. Great to see you. Disappointing that we're not out in Tampa Bay, but this is the next best thing, I guess, isn't it? Well, yeah, I wouldn't be out there on Monday. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the way the way the BBC works is I go out usually on Friday. Um, the, the good old days are gone. That first Super Bowl we did on BBC back in 2007 mm. um, with the other Jake and mm-hmm. um, and Rod Woodson and me. Um, I was out there all week and it, it was bliss. It was it was brilliant. But, you know, in those days, stuff hadn't yet been converted into entertainment um, opportunities. So like the Hall of mm. Fame vote and all was in the hotel. And I was sitting right outside the meeting room, you know, toward the end, giving them a few hours to debate, you know. And so when Rod showed up, because he'd been told, uh, you know, I was standing right there to to greet him. I, I came up and said, Rod, you know, we give a little <laughs> hug. Congratulations. He said, I just wish Germonti had got in, which I just mm. thought was the most, one first of the most thing he said. Yeah. things, you know, yeah, yeah. for the first thing that anyone, anyone says. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. those days are gone now, you know, yeah. now it's another television event and, yeah. you know, you don't get in, you, you, you got it. So anyway, yeah. It would say it's a class. Well, you know, it's interesting. Because, attested to yeah. That. When you spend a when you week out there, all you do basically is you pick up from other journalists, <laughs> other, mm. other media people, you know, all the rumors and all the, you know, that, that are going around. And then, you know, radio, go to a, go down Radio Row and it's just like the hugest echo chamber in the world. Oh, isn't it just, I mean, it's altogether different, of course, this year. We're going to talk Super Bowl with you, get Mike's keys to the game. Uh, deep dive a bit on both coaches as well. I want to get Mike's perspective on uh, Bruce Aries and Andy Reid. Before we get into all that, though, big story breaking over the last uh, 48 hours in the NFL, a blockbuster trade on Mike Jared Goff heading to Detroit, uh, Matt Stafford heading, heading to the Rams and a lot of draft capital going to the Motor City as well. A 2021 third round pick, first round picks in 22 and 23. So the Rams have got their man, but at a price, Mike. Yeah, at a huge price. But, you know, I, I think the real key here um, is that Les Snead, who's the L.A. general manager, thinks that he's Sonny Weaver. Mm. Um, he <laughs> wants to be, he wants to, wants to be the real life Kevin Costner. <laughs> um, you know, and they, this is um, they won't have a draft, a number one draft pick. I think it's seven straight years now. Right. Um, because you remember, they, originally they traded one to go up and pick Jared Goff to get Goff, at number right. one. Right. Um, and um, the one year that they had their one number one pick, which was after it was the year after they got Brandon Cooks. You know, mm. Brandon Cooks is great because Brandon Cooks went from one team to another for number one picks in like three consecutive years, um, <laughs> which was which was interesting. But the next year, yep. they then traded down in the draft. So they lost their number one pick that year. And they got mm. um, they got Henderson. They got Taylor Rapp in that in that draft. And then now, of course, they've given up two number ones. Um, so so that from the Rams point of view, McVeigh, I think gave up on golf. Um, you know, we, we've talked before about the way that he was coddling off in the Super Bowl when mm-hmm. they lost to New England. You know, you're doing great, guy. You're doing great. Um, which never really sounded sincere. And I'm sure it didn't sound that sincere um, to Jared Goff. But mm-hmm. he's a perfectly serviceable quarterback in the right system. And you have to you have to accept as well that um Brandon Staley and they brought Ray Agnew into their front office uh, from the Rams you know these guys know golf so mm. you know they they know what they have faith i guess in in how he can fit into their system mm. now from the Detroit point of view it's interesting because 
he Goff never struck me as the kind of guy who would bite anybody's knees off. Yeah, yeah. And Dan, and Dan Campbell has said the Lions are going to be a team that bites off people's knees. And he's hired Anthony Lynn. Um, mm. He's hired Deuce Staley. Um, you know, all the indications are that he'll want to be a kind of run first team. Right. And that's not right. bad for Jared Goff. That suits Goff, right? Um, yeah, I think it will suit him fine if they can if they can make him a, a um a play action quarterback and if their run game which ought to be okay if carry on johnson ever stays healthy and deandre mm. swift looked really good last year um like on the I rams because you, you said that mcveigh obviously given up on on golf and that was a, a pretty fast decline really you know given the 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 organization and the amount of money that they paid him of course uh, after that super bowl it's um been a rapid decline and there were eyebrows raised i guess at the time about about that particular deal you clearly think Stafford's going to take this team further forwards. Do you believe that? And do you believe that Stafford is the the missing piece that's going to take a contending team into a, a championship contending team? I'm not sure. To me, the biggest difference between Matt Stafford and Goff, Stafford does not panic. Uh, in the face, Stafford stands up in the face of the rush. Mm. Um, you know, he's still got one of the best arms in the league. He always has. Um, He's, he's, how, how do you put this? The track record on him is not good in close games. Uh, remember, we talked about this last season when he had that great first half of the season and, you know, and them got hurt. But, mm-hmm. you know, and Jay Bell was saying he was the MVP of the season. Right. And I was saying, you know, calm down, Jay Bell. Um, and <laughs> Which I find myself saying a lot, you know. I even I was like he was he was on the shortlist for for MVP. Yeah. I, he was he was pushing him as number one, but but you know, even <laughs> when I agree with Jay Bell, I find myself saying, "Calm down, Jay Bell." Um, <laughs> but but anyway, um, you know, he's never won a playoff game. Uh, when we were talking about Matt Patricia trying to build up leads with the Lions to see how big a lead they could blow in the fourth quarter, you know, people tend to give quarterbacks all the credit for success and blame everything on the players and coaches around them. And I'm not so sure that Matt Stafford's been in that awful a situation for at times during his career. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember they brought Jim Bob Cooter in and for a year it was great. And then the next yeah, year right. it was like, Stop Oh no, he, he changed everything. Stafford's not getting, gotten, getting the best. I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's going to be the upgrade that they need. On the mm-hmm. other hand with McVeigh, you've got to, you've got to assume that Stafford's going to be able to, process more quickly mm-hmm. and get rid of the ball more quickly, which is key to that kind of an offense. Mm. Um, so it may be the other thing I'm not convinced of is that the Rams are in that kind of one guy position where Stafford is going to push them right. over the hump because I think that they are, you know, they still have cap problems. Yeah. Um, Stafford brings, you know, brings, brings a, they have a hit that they take losing golf, a mm. dead, dead cap hit. Um and the Lions have 22 a million, one, 22 million. For, yeah. yeah, they're similar. And the Lions are just shy of 18. I mean, they got the girly deal as well as a dead cat. His, um, still stinging them. Yeah, exactly. They've got a bunch of them. I mean, they've got the, mm. the two biggest in the league. But, you know, clearly when Dan Campbell got a six-year contract, Stafford's days were immediately numbered because, 
you can see the lions see themselves in a rebuilding mode, mm. you know, a, a phase. And, and so Campbell's going to have more than two seasons probably to, mm. you know, to prove he can be successful, which will give him a time to move on from Goff if he needs to. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wonder if they'll use their early pick on a quarterback. I kind of doubt it um, at this stage. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they can move on. I, I, and I suppose that the Rams will be happy with either Bortles or Walford um, as the backup to Stafford, given that Stafford has been pretty healthy through most, most of his career um, and is not that old um, in football terms. So, you know, I mean, I would keep Walford and, and get rid of, you know, and, and dump Bortles. Um, yeah. Well, Walford uh, save, save a little bit of money there. Big on him. Uh in, you know what else? I actually think you know who I think that the Lions will sign. Sorry, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Oh well, that's Lynn loves him, right? So yeah, that, that yeah, make a lot exactly. Make a he'll lot be he'll be the backup in, yeah, in yeah, Detroit. Yeah. That, I like that's that. My guess. I'm marking that down, uh, Mike. That sounds like a smart play. Did you see, incidentally, the uh, rumors about him? The only team Stafford refused to be dealt to was New England and Matt Patricia returning to Foxborough. <laughs> I, I would not be. I saw that rumor. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, I, I suppose if Bill Belichick really wanted Stafford, he could have, he could have said, uh, you know, well, we'll keep Matt over at that side of Patriot place. And we'll never have to see him. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Um, I don't know what Patricia's job is so far. He's Assistant kind of like coach, vice president. Isn't that billing it. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, of like vice president in, st- in charge of stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how that, how that's going to work out. Right. We got to, we got to get down to the big game, Mike, because there's a lot I want to ask you about. What's Let's that? Stop- this, there's a Super Bowl this Sunday. <laughs> Remember? Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl, yeah. right. right. Yeah. Let's start with framing the big matchups, the keys to the game. What do you think are the decisive battles that will decide Super Bowl 55, Mike? Um, to me, the two keys of the game are Steve Spinolo and Todd Bowles. Um, I can't think of a Super Bowl where where the two defensive coordinators are sort of like on the spot. Um, and, and there's good reason, you know, to think that way um, for Spags. I go, I think right back to the 2007 Super Bowl where the giants held Tom Brady in check and how did they do it? Rushing up the middle, closing off the step forward in the pocket to Brady. He's got Chris Jones um, who's perfectly capable of, of doing that. Um, you know, reminds me a bit of, of um, Justin Tuck and Stinney, who's the replacement right guard is the weak link in um, in Tampa's offensive line. So they mm. can they can put a lot a lot of pressure on there. Um, and I, I think Spags is going to is going to have to do that because the matchups in the secondary are going to be difficult um, against that great group of receivers that, that Brady's throwing to. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lot of three safety um, nickel so that Juan Thornhill gets into the game at the same time as say Daniel Sorensen. Um, um, now you, you can't play a whole lot of zone against uh, Tom Brady because, you know, we know that he and his receivers can pick a zone apart uh, and he's not really a threat to run. So you can afford to play man coverage. I think you'll see matchup matchup man on, on the outside and, and Kansas city can, can do that fairly well. I think Breland's played really well. Sneed's mm. been a great rookie um, pick, but, but if they can get those three safeties in there 
And they've got Ty- Tyran Matthew, who's kind of like the wild card, and, and he can take the backs out of the backfield if they decide they want to keep throwing to Fournette, um, who dropped a couple of passes yeah. uh, in the cha- championship game, or or to Jones. And, of course, they can double tight end you with with uh, Brait and Gronk. So Matthew becomes really crucial in there. Um, he, he's like the key chess piece, I think, for um for Because Stags. of his versatility that he can match up yeah, against. Ab- Absolutely. Um, I talk a bit more you know, about Brady versus zone and why he's so good. Because he re- when he recognizes it, and and you know, um, less so with Tampa than with New England. New England's roots are all option roots, so the receiver has to recognize it as well. But he, but he knows before he takes a snap where that's going to go if he you know recognized the defense correctly. Um, and he he's. He's he's very, very good at putting the ball into those spots. You know, you remember, I mean, Tony Romo did it when the when the Patriots beat the Chiefs in overtime in the mm-hmm. conference championship game a couple of years ago. And, you mm-hmm. know, and he was saying, um, oh, this is going over the middle to Edelman. Oh, this is going over the middle. To, oh, he, he's coming up. It's going to Gronk. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it was exactly what Tom, Tom Brady was seeing, you know, at, at the same time. So wh- where you have to be careful is Brady is – has become very good or, you know, he probably always was, but in this offense, he drops balls in for deep receivers, which is classic Bruce Arians. Um, mm-hmm. Arians like Bruce deep and Brady's very good. If you have man coverage on the, on the sidelines of dropping a ball in over the shoulder inside or outside, depending on, on where the coverage is. So, you know, so I think that's the real key um, is to upset his timing inside, not let him read. If you, if you happen to be playing zone, not let him, you know, be able to get uh, that extra second he needs to get the receiver in stride. And mm-hmm. and then on the other side, I think we've talked before um, about Todd Bowles being so crucial to Tampa. And he was for Arians when they were in Arizona together. You remember all those seasons where one after another, these immobile strong-armed quarterbacks would go down for Arizona, starting with Carson Palmer oh, and then Henson and, you know, all these other guys they dragged out and they would still finish like eight and eight, seven and <laughs> right. nine, you know, seven yeah. nine, in, in a tough division in the, mm. in, in the NFC West. And that was because Bowles's defense was really good. And, and he's very good at, at the classic thing of trying to take away what it is you do well. Mm. Um, and I think in this instance, it's going to be a, a tremendous matchup because both of Kansas City's starting tackles are out. Mm. Uh, Eric Fisher tore his Achilles la- last week. You remember I said before the Super Bowl last year that, um, uh, and and then it was expressed better by Mike Lombardi a couple of days later. So I'll use Lombardi's quote. He said, "If, if I were Shanahan, I, w- I would go up to the ref- the referee before the the game um, started and say, look, if you're not going to call holding on their tackles, <laughs> then give them the Super Bowl now. We won't even bother <laughs> sure. to play, you know." And that's the way it worked out in in, right. in a very in a very real sense. And I think the same thing's going to apply now. Mike Remmers, mm-hmm. you know, is at left tackle, and Andrew Wiley's at right tackle. Um, and they're going to be facing JPP and Shaq Barrett, who had a tremendous um, conference championship game, you know, are very quick. Um, I keep saying that, you know, everybody says, why didn't Aaron Rodgers run for the touchdown on third down? And, you know, the reason he didn't run was he thought that JPP was going to catch him from behind right. before he could get out of bounds and stop the clock. And they needed they needed the clock stopped. So, you know, I, I think that's the key matchup for Bowles. And I think he'll think Andy's going to attack that. 
with backs coming out of the backfield, throw behind the rushers. Um, and then his counter for that is he's got Levante, David, um, and Devin White, who is basically a younger, yeah. faster version yeah. of Levante David as his two <laughs> linebackers right. who can get out there and cover, you know, yeah. and, and so that's, that to me is, is the interesting point. Do they, do they keep Mahomes in the pocket? Um, and Mahomes is even more dangerous to play zone against, um, than Brady is <laughs> because you, I mean, there was one pass he threw. I think I t- talked about it last week where, where he hit Kelsey throwing the ball before Kelsey had cleared the linebacker, right. Throwing it to the other side of the linebacker because he saw it. He yeah. saw it's a zone. He saw where zone. Kelsey would be open yeah. and he, he not only put the ball in the right spot, but, but with the, you know, took enough off it. So it was still there when Kelsey got there, he, you know, didn't, didn't zoom it past, but you need, you almost need to play, zone against Mahomes because if you want to see what he's doing if he breaks the pocket because he's a danger he's a danger to run and that's mm. going to be I think um Todd Bowles's dilemma there is is can he afford to um can he afford to do that or can he stay in man coverage um especially again and, and now here's where I'd go up to the referees and say look if you aren't going to call holding against Sean Murphy holding um, then forget it. Give them the Super Bowl because you know in in man coverage that's what that's what they do. It's and and you know J Bill, you can talk to J Bill about this um, because that's the way receivers are are taught. I mean, sorry, defenders are taught to play. Mm-hmm. It, you know, is to those small holes where the referees will see it, but but assume that you're not gaining an advantage, as they say. Um, and my point which i've argued with him in any number of shows is that this is basketball you know it's the basketballization of the nb of the nfl but when two guys are going up for a pass it's not two guys going up for a rebound it's like one guy shooting and the other guy defending him one guy needs to have his hands available in order to shoot the ball one guy needs to have his hands available in order to catch the ball all the other guy has to do is knock him off the catch or Mm -hmm. you know disrupt disrupt the catch so it's not it's if you're hand fight. fighting, it's mm. not a, it's not equal fight because one guy needs his hands yeah. and the other and the other guy doesn't. Um, so I think that's the, the key for him. Um, he also needs to clog. You, you have to do two things against the Chiefs. You have to clog the middle and cover the top. And that's what makes the Chiefs so brilliant, um, because Hill, Hardman, to an extent, uh, Sammy Watkins, to an extent, can can run across the middle and beat you deep because they're so fast got the pace. Get, yeah. you know it doesn't it most guys go across the middle and go deep and you have to add another second to the quarterback's time in the pocket they mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. kelsey will kill you over the middle if you keep everybody back mm-hmm. to keep hill and the others from beating you deep so what you have to be able to do is kind of do both mm. and he's got those linebackers to do that mm-hmm. he's also got if his starting safeties are both healthy you know um i think antoine winfield was a real kind of contender for rookie of the year mm. in, in a lot of ways. I think he's a tremendous um, safety. He just didn't happen to be the best rookie safety because chin chin is also tremendous at Carolina um, and whitehead ought to be called like whitehead under. <laughs> I mean, he twice when he hit, when he hit Aaron Jones, I thought both times he hit him and caused fumbles. He should have been called for helmet to helmet. Yeah, right. But but he wasn't. But I mean, but he throws himself at guys. But he hurt himself off the back yeah. of it as well, didn't he? Yeah, um, he's, he's, he's tremendous as well. So, you know, between those two safeties, they ought to be able to give enough help um, to, to help stop those two things. The other thing I would do 
is try to bang Kelsey and Hill on every play at the line of scrimmage. Mm. And that's difficult because Hill's very, very good at getting a release. He's, you know, he's not just fast, he's quick. Mm. Um, He's got the short area quickness would be the word to describe it. So he's very, very good at getting off the line unimpeded. And, and in today's NFL, you remember again, in that game with new, I watched it, again a couple of days ago that game with new england in the conference championship there was a big penalty call on jc jackson um for holding at the line of scrimmage well what jackson was doing against sammy watkins if i remember was chucking him at the line you know at the line within the five-yard chuck thing but watkins fell forward he fell over and 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 fell and fell forward so so that he you know so that he um uh, got the holding call and and it didn't matter in the end but that that was the call that's the problem now is when you start chucking a guy you have to release him after five kelsey's so strong that he can carry you along for a lot of that and still run his route so you know i i think that's going to be an interesting thing because if you commit a guy at the line of scrimmage and get beat especially with hill you have to have somebody behind him to give him help you know so mm. so now you're committing a safety as well but but you know i would do that i would play a lot of press man with it with zone cover you know even even something like you know quarters or, or you know cover one you know man mm. coverage with one safety deep and keep the safety on that side it's it's a real chess match between the defensive coordinators i think um and, and that i to me that's where the game's going to be won especially if tampa's going to win it because when Tampa's won games, it hasn't been because of Tom Brady. It's mm. primarily, I mean, Brady had a great half last week uh, to, and, um, you know, not such a great second half. out in the second half. Yeah. yeah. But Tampa's defense has played really, really well. Yeah, yeah, it really has. And it's fascinating to hear that break uh, broken down, Mike, because it is, um, I guess, just emphasizes how how good this Tampa Bay defensive unit is. They've just got to be on top of their game all across the field against, against yeah, Danny Reed. And that's what I want to wrap with. Looking at Reed in a, in a bit more. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to do like a rap. <laughs> well, I could rap. We could do an Annie Reed rap. Tampa BD got to stay real tight. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a real long night. I like that, Mike. I might do a beatbox behind it. Um, <laughs> I, I want to understand a little bit more about the evolution of Andy Reed's offensive philosophy, right? Because, I mean, good God, this time last year, you and I, uh, what well, you were in Miami by, by the, you know, by the. Yeah, we, we did a great yeah. show. I thought, yeah, we, you know, on the beach, I did say so myself out on the beach there. For, I enjoyed it. The sun was rising. And off the back of that, I, I rocked up at a hotel nearby, the ESPN hotel nearby and uh, found a spot quietly uh, near the pool bar and wrote a piece for the times on, on Mahomes, and inevitably then started looking at Andy Reid and realized this perfect storm in terms of how the two have come together. Obviously, Mahomes is a young player, Reid towards the end of his coaching career and started to look back in more detail at, at the evolution of, of Andy Reid's philosophy and obviously he worked with Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick as well and, and has continued to build and build and build. With Mahomes, Mike, he's got, I guess this enhanced version of, of, of the prototype, right? It's the kind of next level. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, but Mahomes is so much the next level that he kind of makes things easier right. um, in that sense that he, that he is both, both mobile as Andy's, you know, best quarterbacks have been, although, you know, he's gotten good games out of immobile quarterbacks in a couple of cases, making their careers elsewhere. You know, other teams paid a lot of money to get to sign them because they looked good when they filled in in one game for Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dip, the difference here 
is he gets that flexibility with Mahomes and he's got two receivers, two big time receivers, mm. whereas he's never really had any for the most part. Um, he had um, he had Terrell Owens, you know, and they did. They went to the Super Bowl that mm. year. And Owens had a played on a broken ankle, you know, and, and caught a lot of passes, but didn't do any damage. Mm. Um, he's always he's always been able to um, to get by, as it were, with a, with a group of average receivers. To Sean Jackson, you might say was yeah. his Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a lot of success with him, but but, but Hill's a more versatile player than than jackson is um although when you think back to jackson at his real peak earlier at jackson yeah yeah there's there's a well, lot of there's a lot of similarities mm. um but he's never had he's never really had a tight end like kelsey right um and no, he's no one of, has right <laughs> no, not too many yeah. um you know if gronk were a bit younger it would be a great tight end matchup and that could be one of your headlines of the um but gronk is gronk looks older than brady when he's out on the field to be honest where is um, gronk actually just on that mike what in your estimation gronk now 2021 gronk versus 2015 gronk how far off the pace is he compared to his quite a bit i mean you know, it, it, we saw that two years ago. He had to take a couple of steps to get himself going at top speed, mm. and he still does. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think the injuries have have come up. He's not as big as he was, but he's still yeah. a good blocker. They can yeah. still, and that's the key, and that's the way Tam, that's the way Tampa's been using him primarily. Um, and you know, he can still take a defensive end man on man and block really well. And Kelsey's a much improved blocker over the past couple of years, but not not to the to that same extent. Mm. Um, but you know, I think Andy Reed, he's, you know, I, I always think the typical Andy Reed offensive player was Brian Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Um, but he doesn't have a Brian Westbrook here, although M Edward Solaire probably, you know, is, and, and, um, Hunt was, you know, yeah. before they, before they let Hunt, Hunt go for non football reasons. Um, and so he's got exactly what he wants which is a multiple op multiple set of options to attack a defense with and i think if you wanted me to put one word he's a very aggressive offensive coach uh, as he he will he will it goes back to his earliest days i think in, in a kind of walsh system you know where he used to have the play maybe he still does i you know, have the plays scripted you know to see what the defense is going to do and he's willing to waste plays to find to find out that information but when you watch the way that he attacks defenses um it's so multiple it, you know it, it's just it's just brilliant to watch and he's got a guy like mahomes who you can do everything right and you still get beat you know, there aren't mm. that many quarterbacks you can say that about. Right. You know, Deshaun Watson is one. Russell Wilson is, is another. You know, when they're at their best, you can defend the play perfectly. Your rush can be great. You can you can you can think you have him in the you know, you're about to sack him because he can't find the receiver open and he gets away. Mm. You know, Rogers is like that to an extent. Mm -hmm. Um um but lamar, you know, lamar on his day, of course. Yeah. Well, Lamar, you know, you, you're almost gonna let him. Uh, run and try to just take away uh, the Pat boy. Don't, that's a whole nother discussion. We'll save that for the offseason. You know, how, okay. how they can get the best out, uh, out of <laughs> Lamar Jackson, but what they, what they need to do and, and you know, why, why Greg Roman hasn't been able to do it in the big situations. When, we'll save you know, it for the offseason. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, but I think, I think that's, that's the real key. And, mm. and I think Andy too, 
after some some troubles um has become a real kind of player's coach um he he's still much more demanding than people think mm-hmm. and, and much harder than people than people think but but i think with age has come a certain amount of wisdom um you know i, I think all the talk about eric Bieniemy as a head coach is well deserved because i think Bieniemy has benefited from that you know and probably would be um in terms of leadership a, a fine head coach um you know that's what the indications say and i think leadership to a, a big extent is more important than X's and O's, you know, that, that, well, he's never called all the plays. Well, big deal. You know, mm. um, he knows what it is. And if he's really, you know, that unsure, he can hire somebody good to, to call the plays who, who knows what he wants, you know, mm. and, and that's, a, that's a sign. That's what Detroit has done. We've made fun. I've made fun of Dan Campbell in a lot of ways, but that's obviously the way they've gone. They mm. want, they want that, peerless leader um, up front. I'm not sure Campbell's way of doing that is going to work mm. um, in Detroit uh, be, simply because it didn't work for me my last year in college. So, um. <laughs> Again, we'll save that for the offseason. But Bruce Arians very much is a, is a player's coach, of course. He yeah. has been way through his career. Everybody loves him. He, he's a class act. Do you think almost because of that, persona mike he, he's underestimated a little bit as yes i think that you're you put your finger on it i i think people people look at arians or looked at arians and say you know oh you know big play throw the ball deep you know and that's it and and you know they they ignored i think todd bowles um you know going back going back to Arizona, they ignore to an extent the job he did that year. He coached in Indianapolis when Chuck Pagano um, had cancer, you know, and was out and he was the interim coach yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. and did a brilliant job with Andrew Luck um, without killing him. <laughs> at least at the time, because that's been the thing. And that's what we said about Brady going there. Oh, it's going to be brutal because Brady yeah. can't, you know, Brady doesn't run and, and he leaves quarterbacks in the pocket. Steelers, and I think, right? well, that was the, I mean, that was the book on him though. The criticism yeah, there, with, right? With ben, yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Well, well spotted. And um, I think that's been part of the reason why the bucks have come alive offensively in the second half of the year um, was that adjustment period between Brady and Arians, you know, and where Brady wants, he wants to be able to get rid of the ball quickly two spots where he knows either the receiver is going to be or the zone is going to be open, going right back to where we started. Mm-hmm. And Arians is willing to wait for receivers to get open deep. Um, and, you know, and that's, that would be a recipe for, for disaster with Brady if that was the only thing you could do, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and um, I think they've come to a kind of accommodation where the offense is kind of a mix of that. They're still willing to take those shots downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got the receivers to be able to be able to do that. But you also see them running a lot of uh, kind of stretching, stretching routes, uh, quick release, but you know, Godwin in particular crossing yeah. the middle, yeah. uh, Scotty Miller, who is in Tor- Troy Aikman terms has, you know, surprising speed, sneaky fast, uh, you know, for one Sorry, of those typical let me, Brady receivers. You, dive in there, don't you mean Scotty Miller? Like, Every time <laughs> you refer to him on the show, anyone does. I'd like to. Who is that? that? Who is of- that guy? Scotty Miller. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think, I think you've got, Two coaches who, on the surface, both appear easygoing, mm. but are far from it. Right. I think you know they're. You see Andy occasionally when when he's 
fed up with a co- with a referee in particular. You see, you see the kind of you know mean side of him, and I and I think with Ari- I think with Arians, you you just you you see how serious it is by the way he's been able to adjust. And and just one last point about Arians and all, you know, he basically said it himself. I think, um, and I've been saying it since Brady, since Brady went there, you know, if not before Tampa was not a seven and nine team last year. Mm-hmm. We, when we, we said that when we saw them play it at white Hart lane, when we did that, that game on the radio, mm-hmm. you know, this is not a seven and nineteen. This is, this is a 10 and six kind of team, maybe 11 and five. If you take away Jameis's turnovers, you know, which you just can't avoid. They lost three games. Yeah. Uh, because of strictly that. on interceptions or fumbles, you know, in crucial spots mm. where, where they were in that game. And, you know, and, and yeah, Jameis threw, you know, everyone said, oh, Tom Brady, you know, threw for 4,000 yards and, you know, well, Jameis threw for 5,000 yards, right. but, but, you know, it was like, it's like the cut of interceptions is worth the extra thousand yards, right? basically. And Brady threw what, 40 touchdown passes instead of 30, mm. you know, but, but that to me was the difference. He was joining a strong team and they made it stronger. Mm. Um, in the off season, not, and this is without, you know, Bra- without Brady, but, you know, just, just making moves that made that team stronger on yeah. both sides of the ball. So I wasn't surprised at all, um, you know, that they, that they made the playoffs. Um, I picked them for, for that, for a wild card. Um, but I'm a little surprised at how strong the playoff run has come. And they, they remind me of those 2007 giants, mm. you know, a good late season run, of for an 11 and five team was playing at their best going into the Super Bowl. Yeah. Getting it done on the road, the hard way. Well, bearing that in mind, Mike, I know it is early doors. It's Monday. There's a, probably a lot uh, that still needs to get worked out, but are you leaning one way or the other? I'm leaning to the bucks, to be honest. Mm. Um, there are, there are, um, it is early doors and there, there are a lot of things. And I think to me, the difference in this game is how much you believe in Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, it's a quarterback's game, but I felt the same thing last, last week against green Bay. Um, and they overcame Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Um, now they had, they had some breaks in doing that, but, but they did. And um, I, Mike, our listeners of course can, uh, catch you on the B broadcast Sunday night. Yeah. yeah with, it's going to uh, be just like, the good, just like the good old days with, uh, El Chapo's back and, uh, OC and, uh, J bell. Um, so, you know, I look forward to the fireworks. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Carlson. Well, I uh, look forward to seeing that, of course, as I'm sure everybody at yeah. home will, and come back and see us soon. Yeah, I'll, um, my, my Patreon column, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is patreon.com, FMTE, my, uh, sorry, Mike Carlson, FMTE. I'll probably make a pick in that. I haven't picked mm-hmm. games all season um, in that, although I've done really well picking, as you know, from our radio show when you've asked me to do that at the last yeah, minute. I find that when I overthink, I pick wrong mm. <laughs> and Just, my Super Bowl record, I'm, I'm for, for 16 years, I'm, I'm well over not well over I'm over two thirds mm. of games, right. Good. Up until good. the super bowl. And I have a losing record in super bowls because let more, supercomputer get in your head. Mike. That's, that's right. It. The more I think the worse I am. <laughs> well, look what supercomputers picking and go the opposite route. would be my tip. And then maybe flip a coin. Uh, okay. That's Mike Carlson. F uh, FMT patreon.com. Mike Carlson, FMT. That's the column. Go and get it out. Uh, go check it out. Go and get the super bowl pick and plenty more besides look after yourself, but check it soon. Okay. Thanks man. Lovely stuff from Mike saluting Jay Bell as well. 
doubling down with our first Super Bowl preview episode. And it lived up to the hype, as the game I'm sure will do as well. So appreciate their insight as ever. They'll be back soon. You can guarantee that. So will we Wednesday. We've got Rob Linkovich, Super Bowl winner. Knows all about Brady, of course. So keen to get his perspective on the big game. Darren Bent dropping by as well. So that's our Wednesday episode. Episodes dropping all through the week. And content dropping all through the week on social media at the NC Show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So if you haven't already, go and give us a follow. We'll see you Wednesday. Bye for now, gang. Podcast Network.